Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Central Wired podcast, and thanks for listening in. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwired.com or on Facebook and Instagram. We hope this week's message meets you right where you're at. Enjoy. So everybody, uh, if this is your first time, if you're a new guest, if you're visiting with us, or, or this is your first time in a long time, everybody, you have caught our church right at the tail end of this incredible, phenomenal series called Game Changers. Everybody say Game Changer. Yeah. And so we've been studying, everybody, uh, what is the game-changing behavior that will allow us as believers uh, to take our game, to take uh, uh, our spiritual lives, uh, to take uh, our walk with God? To a whole nother level. Amen. All right. And and so uh, we've been talking about the last several weeks. What does it look like to have game changing worship? All right. We've been talking about the last several weeks. What does it look like uh, to be a game changer when when it pertains to serving God and serving his people? And a lot of you guys have responded and you've jumped in to some of the serving opportunities that we have all over this church. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. We've been talking about the last several weeks. What does it look like to have game changing humility? and game-changing generosity as it pertains to our tithes and our offerings and our giving to the Lord and to his people. We've been talking about what it looked like to have a game-changing prayer life, right? And then last week, Dave talked to us about uh, the ultimate game-changer, Jesus Christ, uh, when he submitted himself uh, to be baptized. Uh, Somebody say baptism. Yeah, yeah. So he talked about baptism and that as believers of Jesus, we ought to be following in that same example and allow ourselves to be baptized to publicly display our inward commitment to our God. And so Dave talked to us last week about reminding us that baptism represents the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when we go under the water, it represents us dying to our old self. And then when we brought out of the water, it represents us being alive again in Jesus Christ, just like God raised Jesus from the dead. When we come out of the water, uh, uh, we come out of that water forgiven. We come out of the water brand new. We come out of the water redeemed. We come out of the water knowing that our sins have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb and that we are alive again, walking in the newness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what it's all about. And so uh, let me say this really quickly. Uh, Central Christian, you're not in trouble. What did I just say? You're not in trouble. But if you were not here last weekend... I just need you to raise your hand so that I can, a lot of y'all wasn't here last week. You know what? I lied. You are in trouble. Right? One at a time. We're going to get this in. I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. Totally joking. Totally joking. Totally joking. But the reason why I wanted to know if you were here or not is because, everybody, I want to show you a highlight video of what took place here last weekend during our baptism weekend at Central. Check out this video. Well, I swear I'd never get old. Yeah, never get old. Never gets old to see uh, people whose lives are being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And everybody, uh, as a result of what Jesus did last week, combined with last week and the souls that you guys just saw uh, get baptized uh, from our uh, earlier service, we had 27 people, 27 people be baptized. Dave taught us last weekend, everybody, that baptism is a defining moment 
in the life of a believer. And we say that to say to you guys, maybe today uh, you're saying, well, uh, I wasn't able to be a part of last weekend. We have a lot of people that wasn't able to be a part of last weekend, but they've already reached out to us and say, hey, I want to jump in this week. I want to be baptized. And so we got a few more people that are going to be baptized after our 1030 service. In fact, when they showed up today and they saw that the people from nine o'clock getting baptized, they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, did I miss my turn? They're like, no, 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 no. You're going to get baptized. Yeah, yeah. And so it's awesome. And so listen, maybe you're here and wasn't your plan to be baptized, uh, but God is already starting to speak to you. And as a result of the service today, maybe you want to jump in. Listen, I want to say to you, we welcome you. We want you to be a part of, of, of God moving in your life in that way. And, and, and we have everything that you need. If you, you say, oh, I didn't bring nothing with me. We got it all. We got changing rooms. We got change of clothes. Uh, Dave is here. He will foo-foo and fluff your hair, ladies, for you. If you need that done, he got you covered. We got towels with your name on it from the Holiday Inn. We got it all. Everything you need. All right? All you got to do is say yes to Jesus. Amen. So we'll do that for you. We'll do that for you. So everybody, uh, now with all that being said, my challenge today in finishing this series uh, on Game Changers is my job today is to talk about the Word. Somebody say the Word. And how utilizing the Word of God in your life, everybody, is a major game changer for all of us. So a couple of things that I want to lay out as we get started with this discussion. The first thing that I want to talk about is I want to define exactly what is the Word? What is the Bible? Because there are a lot of opinions about what the Word and what the Bible is, right? You may have talked to some people, and and they got some opinions about the Bible. And they they may have said, well, you know, the Bible is a good book. It's a good book. Or they may have said the Bible is the good book, right? Some people may have said to you, well, the Bible is good advice. You know, it's good advice to live by. It's good advice, right? Or some people may say, well, you know, the Bible is a wise book, and it's a holy book. But, you know, there are a whole lot of wise books. There are a whole lot of holy books that are out there today that will literally lead us in the same direction that the Bible is leading us in. People may have said that to you, all right? So I think it's very important, everybody, that we be able to define exactly what the Bible is because I believe Jesus is interested in what you got to say about it. See, he, he, he came up with a, a question uh, to the disciples very similar to the one that I'm asking you right now in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, he asked the disciples a question, and he said, hey, yo, yo, disciples, uh, who do people say, say people, who do people say the Son of Man is? And all the disciples jumped in. It was like, oh, man, I tell you what they're talking about. Man, some of them say you, you John the Baptist. Some of them you say Elijah. Some of them you say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And they were all kind of piggy, piggybacking on this question. But then Jesus cuts down the conversation. He's like, oh, yeah, that sounds great, but I want to know about you. Who do you say I am? And ladies and gentlemen, I hope you recognize today that I believe that is the question that Jesus wants us as a body of believers to be able to answer about his word. What do we say the Bible is, right? Because church, uh, you do know uh, that Jesus never asked a question he don't already know the answer to. God, I'm gonna try again on this side. You do know, everybody, Jesus never asked a question that he don't already know the answer to. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is God, right, in the flesh. That means because he's God, he is omni. He is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. So Jesus wasn't asking the question to get the disciples to give him some revelatory answer that's going to blow his mind. Like, oh, really? 
That's what you think? I, I didn't know that. No, he knew, right? So when Jesus asked a question, it's not that he's looking for an answer to the question that he's asking, but he's asking the question so that we could think about the answer to the question of the question that he's asking. Did y'all get all that? All right, all right, all right, all right. So, so when, we talk about, when we talk about the Bible, say the Bible. You know what that word Bible means, everybody? That word Bible literally comes from a Greek and Latin word that means book. The Bible literally means book. Say book. So when we think about uh, the book, uh, trivia question for everybody in the room. I'm going to test your Bible knowledge. Of all the books in the Bible, how many books make up the entire Bible? Yell it out. Somebody tell me. 66. Very good, fellowship. I love it. All right? All right? All right. Don't let fellowship show y'all up. How many books in the Bible? I love it. That's great. All right. And of the books in the Bible, uh, they have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Of the 66 books in the Bible, how many books are in the Old Testament? 39. 39. Very good, Dave. Where to hop in there. Beautiful. All right. Of, <laughs> I love it. Of the 66 books in the New Testament, come on, fellowship, where you at? How many books are in the New Testament? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And so of the 66 books in the Bible, 39 books in the? 27 books in the? All right, beautiful. Uh, here's what you need to know about the Bible. Number one, these books all include books of the law. They include uh, historical books. They include books of poetry. They include books of prophecy. Say prophecy. So those are books uh, like the book of Isaiah, like the book of Revelation. All right. Uh, there are uh, biographies. Say biographies. We know a biography is the story of a person's life. The Gospels are an example of biographies. And of course, the Gospels are the story of the life of? Y'all, such a good class. I love it. Yeah. And here it is. Um, um, epistles. Say epistles. Epistles, everybody. What are epistles? They are formal letters. And most of the epistles were written by the Apostle Paul. All right? So that's what the Bible is. Let me give you something else. Um, say the Bible. Did y'all know that the Bible had 40 different human contributors putting the Bible together. Over 1,500 years, 40 contributors, 1,500 years. So a lot of these guys were not connected, did not even know each other, but they were chosen by God for God's work to put the Holy Bible together. All right. And of all the contributors over all of those years, the thing that makes the Bible so significant, so special, so unified is even though it had all those contributors over all of those years, there was only one central author. Who was the author? God. God himself. Right. And so, everybody, uh, we believe that the Bible is God breathed. Say God breathed. Now, watch this. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says all scripture is breathed out. Say breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, it says all scripture was what? Breathed out, right? Uh, did it say uh, most scripture was breathed out? Did it say some of the scripture was breathed out? No, it said what? Oh, now real, real quick, uh, I play football, I'm a little slow. Uh, what does all mean? I love it, somebody say all mean all. Yeah, yeah. It says all Scripture was breathed out by God. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 17. It said, God uses it, say it. Yeah. Now, the it represents what? It represents the, the Bible, the Scriptures, right? So, uh, God used the Bible 
or the word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What am I saying? Everybody, all of the human authors and all of the human contributors, uh, they wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. And so that now the result of that is the perfect and holy word of God. All right. You need another verse. You're not convinced yet. I got you. Look at verse 20 of 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. Did y'all hear what I just said? In other words, uh, John was one of the authors or one of the contributors. It wasn't like John was taking dictation from Jesus. And he was like, ooh, yes, Jesus, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm going to write that down. Oh, oh, God, they're going to love that one. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And then he was like, oh, and by the way, God, I think we should add a preposition on the front end. We should add a, a, a little example on the back end just to really tie that thing up in a bow. Yeah, Jesus was like, uh, John, I appreciate your opinion. But you know what they say about opinions. They're like elbows and nose holes. Everybody got one, right? Is, is that the saying? I had to edit it for church. You understand. You understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so here it is. No, say no. no. Those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they only spoke from Y'all seeing that? So when we talk about uh, what the word is, everybody, uh, in short, because I know I'm running through this really quickly, but here's my summary. Uh, the word, everybody, is the authoritative word of God. It is a God-inspired book, 40 contributors, but one main author. Who is that? God, right? The book, uh, the book is the book for all people and for all time. It is perfect, and it has been perfectly preserved. And so uh, I wanted you to have confidence about what the Bible is and that um, now that you understand what is the Bible, it puts you in position to know uh, that you can trust the Bible. And, and let me say it like this. Not only can you trust the Bible, everybody, but you can trust all of the Bible. I said you can trust all of the Bible. That's what Second Timothy said. It said some of the Scripture was breathed out. Most of the Scripture was breathed out. What it said? It said... All, right, right, right. And so if that's the case, then we know we can trust all of the Bible. It is the ultimate authority. It is real, it is relevant, and it is right in the past, in the future, and right for you and I right now. Yeah, right now. In other words, everybody, because the word is real, is relevant, and is right, uh, our job is not to try to bring God's word down to make it fit our lifestyle or our preference or our opinion. Our job is to level up our life and make our lifestyle, our opinions, and our preferences fit with God's word. Yeah, that's what, that's what we got to do. You want to talk about trust, say trust. Did y'all know this fellowship? This is for my note takers. There are 2,500. Yeah, did I say 100. No, yeah, yeah, 2,500, everybody say 100. Yeah, yeah, 2,500 prophecies in the Bible, 2,500, all right? Now, how many authors or contributors were a part of the Bible? 40. 40. Over how many years? 
Beautiful, Dave. I heard you again. Yeah, 1,500, right? Years. We've been practicing that. You know, we got to get him right. Yeah, yeah. And so when you think about the 2,500 prophecies, did y'all know this? This is going to bless you. 2,000 of those prophecies of the 2,500 have been fulfilled. 2,000 of them. Everybody, this is an amazing, amazing book that we have possession of. And when you think about what I just shared with you, it makes spiritual sense to trust the word. It makes practical sense to trust the word. But it also makes mathematical sense. When I just threw that number out at you, do you know what is the mathematical probability of 2,000 scriptures being fulfilled without error on the money? Do you know the number for that? It is one over 10 to the 20,000th power. Absolutely phenomenal, right? I'm gonna say it again. Trusting the word makes spiritual sense. It makes practical sense. It makes mathematical sense, all right? Let me give you another scripture. Look at this. Uh, Psalm 119, 160 says, your instructions are totally reliable. Watch this. All, somebody say all. Uh, what do we say all mean again? I love it. All mean all. All of your just regulations endure. Now, we're talking about the ability for us to trust the word of God. You guys do know, I'm about to mess you up with this, uh, to trust something doesn't always mean you're going to agree. See, if I had some married people in the room, they'd have said amen right there. Right? Right? Because there are some times in marriage when uh, you have a problem moving forward because it don't make sense to you. You don't comprehend it. Right? And, and, and you, you struggle with it. But can I tell you something? Uh, in this thing, trusting the word, uh, your comprehension isn't a prerequisite for your cooperation. Yeah. Yeah. We just got to get to the point to where... Man, God said it, his word is never changing, and I need to level up my life to fit in with it, not bring it down for me to make it fit in with me. Amen. All right, let me show you another verse real quick. John 17, 17, it says, Dave, make them happy by your truth. Is that what it said? No. Uh, uh, spare their feelings by your truth. Is that what it said? No, it says, make them holy, say holy. Uh, that word literally means to be set apart, to be sanctified, right? That, that word implies uh, that you take your feelings, you take your opinions, you take your thought process, and you mold it, and you make it, and you shape it until it mirrors Jesus Christ. That's what holy is. And the Bible says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your which is truth. And so everybody, as I've really worked to try to help you to understand what it looks like to understand what is the Bible and to help you understand uh, that we can right now trust the Bible, that it's not an outdated manuscript, uh, that it wasn't for back then and the way we live now is totally different, but the, world is, the word is real, it is relevant, and it is practical for us right now. I believe, everybody, uh, there are three things that we need to do in order to consistently uh, see the game-changing power of God in our lives. We're going to run through this real quick. And the first thing we got to do, everybody, is we got to read the Word. Somebody say, read the Word. Read 
Yeah, yeah. It says, blessed is he who... Yeah, that was two people. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. For the time is near. So when you see that, everybody, what does that say to you? You're probably thinking, oh, man, well, that means, well, the Bible says I get blessed uh, if I read the Word. So I'm going to go ahead and read the Word because, you know, five minutes in the Bible, uh, uh, a scripture a day keeps the devil away. Is that, what, is that what that say? No, no, no. Because when we have that attitude about the Bible, everybody, basically what we're doing is we're using the Bible as a good luck charm. And we don't revere the Word as the authoritative, unadulterated Word of God that we just talked about a few minutes ago, right? And so, what is this in my hand? This is the Bible. How do you spell Bible fellowship? B-I-B-L-E, right? And, and, and what does the Bible uh, represent? Can I tell you? It is our, say our. It is our basic instructions before leaving earth. Y'all may have heard that before. Yeah, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And, and, and why is it uh, that we need instructions? See, I don't know about y'all, uh, but I'm pretty clueless a lot of times. And I need some instructions. Everybody, uh, you guys know uh, that I am married uh, to the most phenomenally beautiful, awesome, wonderful woman on the planet. Yeah, my humble opinion. who I absolutely do not deserve. And um, uh, when we got married, my wife had some expectations, unspoken expectations. You feel me? You feel me? Yeah. And one of her unspoken expectations, y'all, was that uh, if it break, if it wear down, or if it need to be replaced, it's going to be my job to fix it or get it fixed. She didn't tell me that before we got married. Okay. And I think if she knew that I wasn't that dude, it might have been a deal breaker, but she stuck with me now. Ha, ha, ha. It's beautiful. Yeah. And so we get married and uh, stuff breaking all over the place. And I'm just not the fix-it guy. And, uh, you know, years and stuff is broke. I'm just walking right by. Oh, man, that's broke. Somebody need to do something about that, you know? <laughs> all right? And she's looking at me like, dude, when are you going to fix that? When are you going to get that done? All right? I mean, put a football in my hand, we can, get the, we, can, we can get to work. Put me up on stage, and we're going to put some work in. Put a hammer in my hand, it might get broke worse. I mean, that's just me. <laughs> right? And so, this literally, DeAndre, caused a strain in our relationship early until I found this godly, godly resource that really helped me in this area. It's a godly resource. And if I got some men in the room and I saw some of you ladies looking at your man, I'm not going to point you out. But I saw you. I saw you. You was looking because he do the same thing me. I got this godly resource that's going to bless somebody. Y'all ready for the godly resource? Amen. YouTube. <laughs> hey, listen. YouTube saved my marriage. Thank God for YouTube. Hallelujah. YouTube. Yeah. You want to know how to fix and replace a headlight? You want to know how to take care of a leaky faucet? You want to know how to put a cabinet together? YouTube is the answer. Right? 
Because I don't know about y'all, but, you know, I'm looking at the thing like, you know, mana mana. You know? All right. Man, I didn't make this machine. I didn't design this device. I can't comprehend the intricacies of how this thing works and how this thing all fits perfectly together. But watch this. It's amazing when you can sit and be instructed by someone who knows and understands how to put it together because they made it. Yeah, it's going to make sense in a minute. Yeah, it's phenomenal to be taught and shown just how all the pieces of a thing come together perfectly by the master craftsman or by a master manufacturer because they're clear on the order of a thing. See, I want to say that to say to y'all, see, I'm clueless a lot of times. See, I don't know how to be a husband to my father, Michelle. Lord, I screwed that all up. I don't know how to be a husband to my wife, Michelle. I don't know. How to be a father to my kids. I don't know how to be the associate pastor of Central Christian Church. I don't know how to be the man that God has called me to be. But I thank God he left me some instructions. Yeah. Left me some instructions. And he says that as long as I read the instructions, yeah, if I read it, I'm going to be blessed. But watch this. I can't heed what I don't read. Yeah. I can't heed what I don't read. In order to see some game-changing stuff happen in your life, number one, we got to read the word. Say, read the word. But then number two, we got to know the word. Say, know the word. Look at this. It says, your word have I treasured in my heart. Look at Psalm 119. Uh, It says, yeah, yeah, Psalm 119 says, your word have I treasured in my heart. Your word have I treasured deep down in my heart. And everybody, what this is basically saying is we got to get to the point to where we're not only reading the word, but that we're memorizing the word and that we're meditating on the word. Memorizing the word and meditating on the word. You say, Pastor Ray, why is that important? Great question, glad you asked. Here's the answer. Uh, The answer is, everybody, see, when we meditate or memorization teaches you the letter of the law, but meditation teaches you the heart of the law. I'm going to try it again over here. Memorization teaches you the letter of the law. Meditation teaches you the heart of the law. Let me show you this in in, uh, in Psalm 1. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step uh, with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the of the Lord and who on his day and night. All right. In other words, the purpose of memorizing Scripture, everybody, is not so you can win some Bible contest. You know, it's a whole lot of people that know Scripture but don't know Jesus. Yeah. Oh, you know who they were in Scripture, right? Pharisees, Sadducees, teachers of the law. They knew Scripture up, down, backwards, forward, sideways, but they didn't know the Son of God when he was standing right in front of their face. Right? And what happens is, if we got a lot of head knowledge, but don't understand how to apply that knowledge in our hearts in the appropriate fashion, then we crucify people. We're mean to people. We're racist against people. We mistreat people. Am I talking to any real people in the room? Right? Right? Yeah. That's what happens. And so, everybody, it is more important than ever before that we know the word deep down in our heart, that we memorize it, 
and we meditate on it so we understand how to properly apply the word in any situation, in any, any given circumstance when it shows up. Now, this is important for every single young person in the room, and I'm glad Fellowship is here because y'all need to hear this. You guys know my daughter, Jamari. She's a sophomore at Northern Illinois University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Central Christian, five weeks ago, my daughter called me, and you guys know that one of the uh, main hot-button issues that are going on right now in our country is human trafficking, right? Well, let me tell you, everybody, what's going on right now. What the human traffickers are doing is they are using women to go on college campuses and witness to young female co-eds. They're misquoting scripture in the effort to try to lure them to a quote-unquote Bible study where they abduct these women and sell them into sex slavery. It's really going on right now. And it is imperative, say imperative, that we know the word. And I'm grateful for three things right now this morning. Number one, I'm grateful for God's provision and protection over my baby while she's away from home. Yeah, that's the first thing. The second thing I'm grateful for is she was raised in a Christian home. I mean, we ain't play that. We was in church. We had Bible time at our house. I was in charge of it. And these kids, my daughter would tell you, all, both of them would tell you, we was in those scriptures, right? And I got a new unit coming up in 2020, Janae. You ready for it? It's going to be awesome. You're going to love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's amazing. And so she was grounded in the word. But here's the third thing I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that Facebook actually put that out there. Facebook put it out there that this was happening. And so my daughter was alert. So the woman actually approached my, my Jamari. Yeah, she approached her. And she was talking about all of this stuff in the scriptures that wasn't making sense. And my daughter looked at her like this. And she was like, that ain't the Bible. That ain't what Jesus said. Ain't nowhere that's in, in, in the Bible, nowhere, right? Right? And I'm so grateful that she actually, actually knew the word. I'm also grateful that she saw that post because my daughter liked to argue with people. <laughs> and so she might have just showed up at the Bible study just to fix their theology because they were so off base. You feel me? Yeah. But in all seriousness, everybody, and for my young people in particular, it is important that we not just read the word, but we got to know this word because we are in the last days. And the Bible says in Matthew 24, 24, it says, For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders as so to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. And so it's important, number one, that we read the word. We got to read it and we got to heed it, right? The second thing is we got to know the word. We got to memorize it and we got to meditate on it. Here's the last point. We got to work the word. Somebody say work the word. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I need everybody to read Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 on 3. 1, 2, 3, read. Yeah. Stop right there. Oh, my God. Did you hear what you just said? So I say then. Yeah. Now, why does the Bible say then? Well, there must have been something that happened right before the then for the Bible to say then. Right? So look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, right at the end of Matthew chapter 3. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, say baptized. He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now, now, 
The Bible says Jesus, in obedience to God, was baptized, displaying his public affection and his public commitment to Jesus, I mean, to God, to, to God in heaven. And I am praying that there's somebody in here today that will also desire to display their public affection and their public commitment to God by being baptized along with the other people that are being uh, baptized uh, as well. I hope you do that today. And listen, um, Jesus, uh, the Bible says, after he did it, had this great uh, spiritual experience. God shows up and was like, that's my boy. I love him. Yeah, Jesus. Right? You saw it in the Word, right? And the Bible says right after that, um, in verse 4, let's read it again. Um, it says, then, say, say then. then. Y'all read it. One, two, three, read. Okay, that was absolutely horrible, but that's okay. Yeah, Jesus was led by the Spirit, right? So the Bible says uh, after he had this great uh, spiritual experience, Jesus decided on his own he was going to go kick it in the wilderness by himself, and while he was kicking it by himself, uh, the enemy attacked him. Is that what the Bible said? No. No. It said he was led by the Spirit. It's very important. It's my last point. Everybody? I want to know if there is a person in this room today who you feel like you have been led by the Spirit to do something new. You recognize when this happened, right? This is right at the beginning of God's, of Jesus' ministry, right at the beginning. He hadn't done anything yet. All he did was get baptized. This signified his commitment to walking in God's ways and fulfilling God's purpose for his life. His ministry was just about to begin, and right at the beginning... The Bible says he was led by the Spirit. So here's my question for you. Do I got anybody in here who you feel like you have been led by the Spirit to start something big and significant? That's going to bless people. That's going to bless relationships. That's going to bless communities. Do I got one or two people like that in the room? Let me see who you are. Awesome. Awesome. This is very, very important. For those of you who are convinced that you have been led by the Spirit to start something or to begin something. Um, have you been dealing with any type of issue, drama, obstacles, problems, where you feel like this thing ain't going to work and it wasn't ordained by God, even though you felt like it was spirit-led? Raise your hand if that's you. This is very, very important. I need you to understand, everybody, that just because God is directing you to complete a work, it does not mean uh, that it's going to be easy for you to complete. Y'all hear what I said? Because sometimes we can get it twisted and think, well, I thought God said go. I thought God said build it. I thought God said start it. But I can't seem to get nowhere because I got issue at the drama, at the problem, at the situation, at the circumstance. That must mean it's not going to happen. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Are you hearing me today? You know God told you to do it. You know God told you to start it. He told you, he confirmed it, he reconfirmed it, and just because you're dealing with issues doesn't mean that's God telling you no. Here's my teaching point. Obstacles don't always mean you're experiencing God's objection. Most of the time, it means you're experiencing Satan's opposition. Is this helping somebody? Yeah, because I don't want you to get tricked and fooled and confused. You know what you're doing is going to be significant. 
You know what you're doing is going to be special. But guess who know it too? Satan know it too. And so if he can discourage you, if he can distract you, if he can derail you, if he can stop you from getting that thing going, that's his goal to get you to abort that baby, to get you to stop that dream, to get you to lay down and quit before the thing even gets started. And that's what happened here. But look what Jesus did. Uh, he worked the enemy with the word. Look at verse 8. It says again, say again. This is the third time. The devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. All this I will give to you, he said, if you fall down and worship me. Verse 10, away from me, Satan, Jesus declared, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. And this is the mistake we make so many times, even as Christians. We get the word, God say go, and we go. But a lot of times we try to accomplish stuff in our own might, in our own strength, with our own resource, by our own ability. And then we get frustrated. We forget that we got the power of God, his word on our side, and we lay the thing down and we quit even before it gets started and the enemy wins. It looked just like this. I need some opposition. I don't think I picked any opposition. Did I pick Joe? You got me covered? Come on, opposition. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, come on, Dre. I need you. Where's Charles at? Come on, man. Hurry up. All right, you guys are going to represent opposition. And this is what it looks like so many times. All right, you guys huddle up, get tight. All right. Now, come at me. And so we try to fight with our own strength. And we push, ah! But we losing ground so many times, right? And so at the end of the day, what we got to do is we got to stop fighting by our own strength, by our own might, by our own devices. And we got to recognize that the biggest thing we got our favor is we got the word of God on our side. So what happens is we start walking in the truth of the word because the enemy will tell you that you're not good enough. He will tell you you're not smart enough. He will tell you you don't have what it takes. He will show you uh, that you ain't got it all together. But you start working the word of the truth next to that dude, and you say, hey, the Bible says that I'm the head and not the tail. Y'all start backing up. I'm above and not beneath. The Bible says I'm an overcomer. The Bible says I'm more than a conqueror. The Bible says uh, 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 if any man be in Christ, I'm a new creation. The Bible says at the end of the day, Hey, hey, all things are possible through Christ Jesus. Now bounce, Satan. Run, 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 run. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Dre. And that's what happens. When we start working the word against the enemy. And everybody, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you've been dealing with. But this is what it takes to experience game-changing victories in your life. I want to say this as I leave. The worst thing in the world you guys can do is to take this entire series and leave here and be like, oh, that was good. I learned a lot. I had some good preaching. That's some good teaching. Dave and I believe in good preaching, good teaching. 
But what we want to see more than that is that you actually start practicing some of the stuff that we're laying down. Because uh, the game don't change if you don't use what you have available for you to use. Right? Nothing changes. And I don't know about y'all, but I'm not interested in staying the same that I've always been. Yeah. And so my encouragement to you guys is we've given you the principles. Now it's your job to put these principles into a plan that's going to greatly impact your life. And it starts right here with the word of God. You got to start working the word. Say work the word. But look, you can't work the word if you don't know the word. Say know the word. And that means we got to memorize it and we got to meditate on it. But you can't know the word unless you first read the word. Say read the word. We got to read it and we got to heed it. Right? And I hope that I've given you some encouragement to know that uh, what the word is and the fact that you can actually trust this word. That it is reliable. It is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not a fad that's in style right now and it's going to be out of style 20 years from now. No. It is authoritative. It is true. You can bank your life on it. You can trust it. Thanks so much for joining us. Just a reminder to stay connected with us throughout the week at centralwire.com or on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for being with us and have a great week.